I hired you. I want you to be successful, but I have to give you some really tough feedback. And that's really a lot with radical candor is that you can be, you know, brutally honest, but it has to come from a place of respect and caring deeply. Welcome to the Ladies Who Lead podcast. This is a community of women supporting women. Tune in every other Thursday to hear from SK Vaughn as she catches up with ordinary ladies doing extraordinary things. We will cover topics like diversity and inclusion, gender pay gap, thought leadership, and respect in the workplace. We want to celebrate with you and hear stories of success and hard lessons learned. Whether you are a lady who leads in the boardroom or a lady who leads in your community, this is the place for you. Let's do this. Erin Wilkins is an executive who is passionate about improving the human experience in healthcare by turning the voices of consumers, patients, and caregivers into insights and action that health systems can use to accelerate performance. She has held successful roles of evolving and increased responsibility at Prescani. She currently serves as the market president, responsible for leading teams, operations, and strategy across a multi-state region with a focus on deepening client relationships with some of the nation's largest healthcare providers. Prior to her current role, she served as the chief administrative officer where she had enterprise responsibility for commercial operations, human resources, and organizational development. Throughout these roles, she built deep functional expertise in a range of areas that she brings forward in all executive interactions, including M&A integration, go-to-market strategy, talent development, and operational excellence. Erin is an active member of the Nashville Healthcare Council and was a former council fellow. Additionally, Erin is a business strategy mentor at Vanderbilt's Wandering Innovation Center and an active member of the Women Business Leaders in Healthcare and the Athena Alliance. When not investing time in professional interests, Erin loves spending time with her husband and two teenagers, as well as their dog, Bella. So excited to have Erin here on the podcast. You're going to love this episode. All right. I'm so excited to be joined by Erin this week on the Lazy Lead podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Glad to have you. So we always kick off the episode with how are you surviving and thriving this week. And so while you're thinking through that, I'll go first. So I am surviving. I feel like every other month I'm catching up and especially with the holidays approaching, it's just like, go, go, go. So just fire drill after another. And so I've just been trying to keep up at home as well as at work. And that's always a challenge in and of itself. And then layering on Thanksgiving and Christmas and all the good things kind of leaves you a little bit tired. And so I just came off of a really fun volunteer weekend last weekend and just feel a little tired. So trying to find the good through each day. And then I'm thriving because I'm not sure about you, Erin, but I am usually not an early Christmas decorator. I usually wait till Thanksgiving and I've already started slowly decorating the house for Christmas today. We finally started taking the tree down from the attic and started kind of getting the house a little bit together. And so I kind of call, it's like a marathon, at least it's how I look at it, because to me, I'm not the kind of person that goes in and like decorates it all at one time. I'm kind of like, oh, and, and today I'm going to add this to everything. And so it's just been kind of one of those days of trying to catch up from the week and then also just trying to get ready for the holidays and um, with all the travel that we have coming up. So that's how I am surviving and thriving this week. What about you? 
Yeah, and I, I'm one of those, we start Christmas decorations a little bit earlier to enjoy it a little later. So uh, I think I've got that behind me. But for surviving, similar to you, I'm in a I'm in a growth role in my company. And, you know, it's all about trying to close the year strong. And it's just really fast paced. And it's it's all about trying to kind of balance it all with family and work. And I always say it's about trying to keep all the plates spinning, thriving, you know, we're, we're coming up on the holidays. <laughs> so, so I feel like we're going to get a bit, bit of a breather. Things are going to slow down a little bit. We have some family coming in from out of town next week. And I don't know. I just think these times are precious. I have two teenagers and I try to remember that the time with them at home, kind of in our little family of four, is just getting shorter and shorter. So try to appreciate that when I can. Absolutely. I love that. And so Aaron, kind of give our friends a glimpse into kind of your past and your journey to your current role. So I'm from the, the North Mississippi, Memphis area. I went to undergrad at Mississippi State. Had a ton of great experiences there from being a, being a member of uh, Kappa Delta to uh, writing for the school newspaper to working at the, the Mississippi State TV station. And, and I even worked at Disney one summer as part of the Disney College program, which I loved. And then after uh, after graduating undergrad, I picked up and moved to Atlanta. And I'm in the big city all alone <laughs> and started my career in management consulting. I, I worked at uh, Anderson Consulting and then ultimately Aon Consulting and had the opportunity to partner with Fortune 500 companies across the country, mostly in change management and like human capital strategy. It was a big travel job, um, Monday through Friday, traveling for pretty much a week after week. And then I ultimately kind of went more into a, a niche of uh, focusing more on employee experience and engagement. I think during those years, a lot of fun things happened. I met my husband. I ultimately ended up getting my MBA at University of Miami. Tons of personal and professional growth. Probably most of our free time was around fitness-oriented things. We we ran a few half marathons and you know really enjoyed each other's company there. And also did a lot of travel pre-kids, Spain and France and, and Italy and a lot of great places. And about 19 years ago, I made at the move to the company that I'm in now. I've been there 19 years, which is which is kind of crazy these days. It's a company focused more on analytics, insights, and professional services in the healthcare industry. It's really focused on kind of patient caregiver experience in healthcare. Um, it's called Press Ganey. I think over my 19-year career, I've really built my uh, versatility muscle. <laughs> I've led a lot of different functions, mostly go-to-market teams to really grow the business but then also leading operational teams. I've led HR and kind of people strategy. And it's funny, even though it's a lot of different roles, a lot of those roles really are all about connecting with people and how you can maximize um, you know, people's potential to get the most out of you know, uh, high growth scenarios. And throughout those years, I had two great children who are now teenagers and uh, we made a move to Nashville. And so I think as I look over the last two years, it's also been a, I don't know, I guess I think about Maslow's hierarchy and that whole top section of self-actualization. And I feel like I've kind of been thinking a lot about other ways to kind of grow and develop. I've invested time in a couple of women executive networking groups like Chief and also uh, Athena Alliance. I've also been a part of this Nashville Healthcare Council. There's a fellowship program here that's about networking and learning from peers uh, in the healthcare industry. And about a year ago, I became a mentor at Vanderbilt's Wondery Innovation Center to, to mentor uh, college grads who have new business ideas 
and I can kind of bring forward some of my business acumen to kind of help them, you know, figure out if they can get save money and create a business plan. So I think uh, right now it's a lot of just trying to balance the priorities and try to get some joy and fulfillment along the way. Absolutely. And obviously you have a very extensive resume and have kind of dabbled in a lot of different areas in the same realm, right, of expertise. What's been kind of your favorite that you've done so far? Like what about that has just really something you've always enjoyed or looked forward to or wanted to continue working in? Yeah, I mean, I think that just in terms of roles, the the go-to-market teams, the commercial teams that are out working with clients to kind of understand their needs and ultimately provide solutions and and really help grow the business. I've been leading teams that kind of do that work for so many years. And, you know, I feel like I kind of now have a pretty good idea of what makes people successful because, you know, it's hard work when you're in growth oriented roles and you have a quota and you have numbers, it's, you know, it's challenging. It can be very high pressure, but it can also be pretty high reward. And I think that's, you know, even after kind of leading internally, because I kind of moved into my company and I was our chief administrative officer for about five years and then ultimately moved back into leading the go-to-market teams. Um, I just think it fills my bucket to be able to kind of see the fruits of our labor and to help other people meet their goals. Yeah, that's really interesting and and just very niche. And I could talk to you all day about that because I have so many other questions, but I'm going to get on topic here. (laughs) So through your experience, how have you built trust and influence within your own team? Because there's a lot of moving parts, it sounds like internally as well as externally with go to market. So kind of break that down for us. Yeah, I love the idea of trust. I think trust is so important, not only in personal relationships, but you know, leading teams, but also in business relationships when you're working with clients. And when I when I actually led leadership development for a while um, in my current company, and I'd always say, you know, the first thing in building trust, it's pretty easy. It's just do what you say you're going to do. I feel like that's easy, but it is not often practiced. So I think I've really tried to commit myself to work ethic and fulfilling commitments. And, you know, I think of my grandparents who were like depression era individuals and every day was about hard work and success is earned and not given to you. And um, I believe that. So I think that's one that I practice. Second, I think that relationships matter. I think you should think about social capital and how you can build it, not only in your personal life, but in your professional life. You know, some of the ways I do that with my own team is, you know, you, you have to care deeply. You have to show them that their success is important to you. You have to ask them also about their lives. You know, we're not all just going to work every day. We come to work with personal challenges and it's important to take time to to ask people about their lives and, um, you know, try to build some trust that way. And I think the third and something I've been thinking a lot about recently, it's um, giving feedback, particularly when you're leading teams, giving feedback, even when it's tough. I don't know if you, have you read the book, um, Radical Candor? (laughs) Yes. I'm actually reading that book right now, man. It's a good one. And, and I love it because to me, I've always tried to be kind of a authentic leader. And to me, what that means is when you have to get tough feedback, I let them know that, listen, this is coming from a place of wanting to support you. This is coming from a place. I usually say, I hired you. I want you to be successful but I have to give you some really tough feedback. And that's really a lot with radical candor is that you can be, you know, brutally honest, but it has to come from a place of respect and caring deeply. And I just had something last week after I had given some feedback said, um, I never had a manager that would give me feedback like you do. And I'm surprised that actually 
uh, happens a lot because it's kind of tough to do it sometimes, but I find that it's another element of building trust in teams. For sure. I always tell my team clarity is kindness because I mean, I, I think you owe it to people because you're looking out for them and you have their best interest and, and vice versa. I mean, I, I love feedback. That's like my big thing with the team is I want to hear what you have to say as well as some op- opportunities you have too. So let's talk about it. Like, let's dive into that. Um, doesn't mean it's always an easy conversation, but yeah. so needed. But it works both ways, you know, and you have to say like, I'm willing to accept it <laughs> and I'm willing to give it. So I think that bi-directional nature of feedback is pretty important in the trust building. Yeah, but I think also it's uh, it's hard to give feedback when people don't trust where it's coming from too. So it's it's kind of this, I don't know, give and take, if you will, but that's something I've seen too, that it's like people don't always trust the feedback that you're giving if they don't trust you to begin with. So yeah, yeah, completely agree. Hey there, coffee lovers. Are you ready to elevate your morning routine? Well, look no further than the Bava Java Coffee Variety Box. Inside this box, you will find an assortment of hand-selected specialty coffee beans from different regions, carefully chosen for their flavor notes and profiles. From the bold and robust to the smooth and mellow, every sip delivers a taste that will leave you craving more. So, whether you're an espresso connoisseur, a latte lover, a coffee enthusiast, or just trying to jumpstart your morning, Baba Java Coffee has something for you. This variety box provides a month's worth of coffee. It also makes for the perfect gift for that person in your life who is hard to buy for this holiday season. Ready to elevate your coffee experience? Head over to bavajavacoffee.com and use the code SK20 for an exclusive 20% off your variety box. So how do you establish yourself in a new role and get comfortable while not having imposter syndrome? I've talked a lot about imposter syndrome on this podcast. My understanding is it doesn't go away, (laughs) Uh, but how have you established? Because there's been a lot of uh, new roles thrown your way. How have you gotten comfortable? I love this topic. I mean, one, I think, you know, it's natural to go into a new role with some level of nerves, with some level of emotions. To your point, perhaps it never goes away, but I think it's how how you handle it, that that makes a difference. And I think when you're going into a new role, it's going back to that trust thing, you have to earn the trust to your team and you have to earn the trust to your peers. And perhaps if you're client facing, you have to earn the trust of, of those folks as well. And, you know, I've been, I told you, I've done a lot of different roles. I've been a bit of a chameleon. And so one example of, you know, where there were definitely some, <laughs> some nerves I um I had navigated into a role of kind of leading leadership development, organizational development. And about a year into that role, I was tapped to lead our core kind of HR operations, which was, you know, everything from talent acquisition to total rewards, HR business partners. And until it was during the pandemic, when there was everything was changing from a people perspective. Like there was no playbook every day for how to accommodate work from home, keeping associates safe, supporting families during financial hardship. So there was just a lot of nuance kind of in the world, as well as just you know, new functions that, that I was needing to lead. And I started with vulnerability with my team. I, I had a meeting 
probably within the first couple of days. And I said, here's what I don't know. I don't know how to do every little bit of your job. I don't know how to do these various pieces and parts. But the good news is you do. You're the expert. And then I'd say, but here's what I do know. You know, I have leadership skills. I have the ability to navigate this organization. I have, you know, the willingness to be your advocate. I have the knowledge to link the work you're doing back to business impact. And, you know, kind of left that room that day saying, you know, I don't pretend to know every element of your job, but I'm going to acknowledge and value your expertise. And I'm going to kind of bring forward the skills that I have to help make you be more successful. So, so that was one, just being vulnerable with the team because it was a very new role. And, you know, there was a lot of wondering and thinking about how to, how to be successful. I think though, after that second, it was just me doing a ton of studying and prep. I'm a big believer in that you have to be a student of the business. You know, I had to work harder and longer hours as I got ramped up, but I did it. You know, I reached out and navigated with other chief people officers in other industries. I joined kind of industry cohorts. You know, I read and I, I just I kind of just did the work. And I guess the third is, you know, just give yourself some credit. Don't don't forget why you're in the role. I mean, I sometimes you know, we all have to hype ourselves up. Sometimes I have that kind of morning hype music, which is fun to do. <laughs> Sometimes to hype yourself up, it's about remembering, huh, okay, I was tapped to come into this role because I demonstrated some type of performance to others in this organization, right? They asked me to come into this role for a reason. And I think it's important to not forget that because you're bringing those transferable skills forward and, and you know, give yourself some credit you know, you're all going to deal with some of those feelings of imposter syndrome every once in a while, but, you know, kind of hyping yourself up and remembering where you came from and giving yourself some credit, I think are pretty important. Yes, I love that. I think that's incredibly important to remember. And it's not starting over from experience. You're not starting over from like the very beginning. You're starting over from experience, right? And you're stepping into a position of knowledge because like you mentioned you've already explained that you have the competencies to be there to begin with i love the playlist idea i'm a big believer in like pumping yourself up being your biggest hype girl and i think that's so important i love it i love it i i add to my song list every day it's actually labeled confidence right because sometimes you just need that yes. <laughs> so it's good for working out yeah we might have to link your playlist in the show notes i like it we should so can you give us an example of maybe a time when you did not feel heard or listened to? And how did you kind of compensate for that and work with the team to kind of overcome that obstacle at first? Yeah, I mean, probably one was when I was making a pretty dramatic career shift a few years ago. So, you know, I knew I had the itch to do something new. I, I wanted to stay within my company if if possible. But I was looking to kind of build a new muscle. I, you know, one, I wanted a promotion. I wanted a broader role that could kind of see, you know, across the enterprise. And I shared that sentiment with several leaders, but it wasn't getting the traction that I needed. Things weren't moving forward. And I think there are sometimes early in your career where you think, hey, you know, I'm good. I'm doing a good job. I'm showing strong performance. I should get noticed. You know, I should get recognized and the promotion should just happen. And I just find that it rarely happens like that. I think you have to kind of create your own path and often say, well, I, especially when I let our uh, kind of HR and people strategy, I would say this with all the love and support that I could, that no one cares as much about your career as you do. 
right? Like you have to own it. And so in that situation, I knew I had to kind of demonstrate my point of view and bring some facts. So, so I started kind of this two column table and, and one side was business gaps or opportunities that, that I saw in our company. And then the other side was kind of unique skills and experiences that I bring to the table to kind of address those gaps. And so um, I flew in and presented my case to our CEO and, you know, was later moved into a new role that, that we created. And it kind of took my years of people management skills into something where I could have a broader impact in, in driving enterprise growth. So that's just... To me, I, I pay that forward a lot, particularly when I'm talking to people who are interested in, in growing their career and feeling like, uh, wow, there's not defined career ladders and I'm not sure how to get to the next step. And, you know, I just say that you, you, you've got to own it. You know, you've got to demonstrate results. You got to speak up with your point of view and you need to, need to come forward with some facts that I don't think you should sit back and, and kind of wait to be noticed. Great advice. And, you know, how can someone identify and amplify their unique voice? You kind of mentioned a little bit about that, but especially in a crowded space to stand out amongst other peers, like what are some creative ways? I love what you mentioned about going and presenting your opportunities and where ways you filled in the gaps. So what are some other tangible ways people can kind of step up and use their voice? I think of everything from like small ways to, to, to big ways. I mean, I think some of the small ways... Maybe I remember, I think about what not to do. I think a lot of times, you know, and I think of moments in my career where I did this and where I would advise people to do something different, you know, always acquiescing to others in the room. You know, if you're not the loudest in the room, I think, you know, starting off with comments like, hey, this might be a silly comment, but, you know, discounting yourself before you even get your point across. Other basic things, like, have you ever been in a big room and, you see people sitting around kind of the side of the room instead of sitting at the table. I think there's these these cues, and when you when you make those moves, uh, it, it's 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 already difficult for your voice to be heard. And so, if you think of you know how to over, overcome some of those, it's I think you got to have a point of view. I tell folks that start on my team. It's a um, can be a challenging business. There's a lot to learn. We do a lot of work across many uh, verticals of healthcare. And I said, you are not going to know everything for a while, maybe never. But what you can do is figure out one place, one place in our business where you can be an expert, right? So when you can get in front of your clients or with your, with your peers, you can show up in a way that is memorable, that you feel credible, and that you're asked back, right? And so I think some of those little simple ways of uh, making your voice heard. And I think the other one, which seems basic, but it's again, something that's not often, uh, you know, I don't think it's hardwired for many. It's just practice. I think practice and preparation is so key to making your voice heard, particularly in a business setting. I mean, in my twenties, before I was doing talks, I would always practice in the mirror over and over. Right. And still I practice. I think that to ensure that your points get across in a way that's going to be meaningful and memorable, you have to prepare. You know, I write things out. I write my notes out. And, you know, I coach my team members now who have been in business for many years that it's all about preparation. And, you know, if you want your voice heard and you want it to land the way you want it, I think you have to prepare in meaningful ways. 
Yes. Great, great point. I'm a big preparer. Uh, sometimes not so much, but for the most part, that's like my big thing, uh, especially because I've worked with different people who aren't. And some people just love to wing it. Personally, that makes my anxiety level go like through the roof. I'm like, I want to go ahead and come in prepared with like all the different scenarios of how it might not, might not want it to go. And then other scenarios of how I'd like for it to go, but just to be prepared for whatever's thrown my way. But I'll never forget. I had this one person I worked with. I'm telling this person just showed up didn't have an agenda, didn't have like thoughts or questions written out, just winging it. And I'm like, I cannot live like that. It typically worked out for this person for the most part, just because they were kind of a go with the flow. They've been in the industry for a while. So it worked for them, but it was a very interesting co-working experience because I'm so the opposite of that person. But it, it was an interesting experience to say the least. Well, and that's the other piece. I mean, it's one thing if they're able to wing it successfully, but in today's business world, I mean, you're working in highly matrix cross-functional teams and you have to think about the other people that you're working with. It's not like they're an N of one and that can kind of fly by the seat of their pants. I mean, if you need to be effective as teams, preparing together, practicing together, I mean, you know, you have to use the sports analogies. There's a reason why they practice together, right? You need to be able to show up as a team. So yeah, I, I think it's critical because to me, the more you practice and prepare, it, it builds your confidence, right? And so even in those moments of where you're afraid to speak up or you're feeling nervous based on who else is in the room, that preparation kind of usually, you know, allows you to come forward in a more meaningful way. What has been your biggest career lesson over the course of your time? Man, I might have to say, I, I think of a couple, maybe three. I think <laughs> one, I think one, I would say it's about, you know, social capital and creating a network. I think for as great as work from home and virtual working has been for a million reasons, I think it can also be challenging when you're trying to grow your career. I think, you know, I'll advise people to say, go in person when possible, right? The virtual world, you know, can can sometimes limit you in kind of building those personal relationships. So figuring out some in hybrid, I think it's really important. I just always tell my team, I'm like, don't phone it in, relationships matter. And, and I continue to believe that's a huge one. Second, I'd say try new things. I think there's value in diverse experiences across cross-functional, uh, you know, kind of cross-functional work experience. You know, I've done everything from kind of leading go-to-market teams to leading uh, due diligence and, and M&A to uh, leading internal operational functions. And I think it makes me kind of more well-rounded in my decision-making. And I see that in others uh, who've been able to do multiple things. And, you know, personally, maybe later in life, I think a lot about wanting to serve on boards or to serve in advisory roles to smaller companies who kind of need that cross-cutting experience from go-to-market to people to grow to operations. So I would advise that. And third, I would say, raise your hand. Just don't wait to be asked. I, I often give that view of, you know, back in school when what's the, they kind of throw up the ball and everyone would have to, you either jump for it or you back up. Like, come back up, jump for it, right? If there's an opportunity that is put your way, even if it's outside of your work, <laughs> outside of your normal um, kind of work responsibility, that if you raise your hand and you know take on those extra responsibilities, sometimes you know not only will you learn, but I think you'll get recognized for uh, for doing so. Yes, great, great lessons. Since trust is so important, I think communication is a key function of that. How do you tailor your communication style 
for different team members uh, while maintaining your own authenticity. Because it's important to obviously flow and and be a chameleon in a way, but also having that that consistency about yourself too. How do you kind of, I guess, how do you sit in the pocket of of both worlds? I don't. I like being a storyteller. To me, I think you know, there's a reason as kids we started with stories. They're memorable. They relate to people. And so I, I think about either in internal team member situations or when I'm working with clients is are there stories that I can tell that can connect their pain point or how they're feeling in that moment to, you know, to me or others or maybe solutions that we're offering. I think it's a lot of situational awareness right? Like when you have a diverse team or when you're working with a diverse set of clients, from a client perspective, I'll be either working with a frontline associate in healthcare to a CEO and many times in the same room. So to me, being genuine and being authentic is, is really important, but you also have to understand that the pain points might be different. And so the message needs to be different. So, you know, again, I think about just situational awareness and knowing what knowing what makes people tick (laughs) and knowing what motivates them and trying to connect that. So what advice would you give, which you've already given so much great advice, by the way, just taking notes over here. What advice would you give to your 20 something, 30 something and women in their forties? Hindsight's 2020, right? I would say in your twenties, you know, just learn, learn from others, learn like crazy. I read more self-help and development books in my 20s than I can count. I mean, <laughs> I had loads of them because I was always trying to kind of figure out my place in the world and how I could make impact and how I could still find peace at the same time. And I think that's a delicate balance. But to me, that was a lot of my 20s. And also what I would tell people, brush up on your math. Financial acumen and business <laughs> has been one thing that I'm like, hey, that's something that folks need to uh, to pay a little attention to for credibility. Second, I guess in, in the 30s, probably practice leading, you know, put yourself out there and try new in the 40s, which is you know where I am now. Uh, I think it's using your voices and using your voice and leading. I don't know if you've ever heard of you heard of that Japanese word, ikigai. Which no, is, I haven't. Okay, so you're gonna love this one. I, I I'm a big fan of this. It's it's means the reason for being. And then it advises people to find the intersection between four things, what you love, what the world needs, what you're good at, and what you can be paid for. And they're like, if you can find work in the intersection of those buckets, it's a great place to be. So I, I try to think a lot about that because I think I just think it's important to be able to have that joy, particularly as you you know kind of grow in your career. And and think last in your forties, it's it's also about creating boundaries that protect your peace and saying no to things you might not say no to in your twenties and thirties. I always tell people beware of the energy vampires. There's going to be a lot of people that try to take energy away from you and fail to kind of look for the the, the positive in situations. So I try to keep boundaries to to rid that of my life when I can. Yes, uh, I'm well aware of those energy vampires for sure. Well, that's great. And I, I have one additional question besides my last favorite question and we'll we'll wrap. But, you know, what is the common trait that all leaders have that you've seen over the course of your time? What's that one trait that's like almost every leader has? I think the successful ones, probably a results orientation. You know, when I think about success, it's it's achieving or accomplishing whatever you set out to do, whether that be in your personal life, your relationship life, 
or in a work life. Now I think, again, I'm huge on planning. You got to write it down. You need to have annual goals, you know, whether big or small. And so people that, you know, kind of set those goals and are able to kind of have that results orientation to see it through. To me, I think that's a, that's a common denominator. I think success is rarely an accident. Mm, I like that. And speaking of success, this is my favorite question that I always ask every person who comes on because everyone has a different answer and there's not a wrong or right, but how do you define success for yourself? Yeah. Well, again, I think a lot of it for me is accomplishing whatever I set out to do. I mean, I think it's, I'm very goal oriented. And so it's about not only meeting that specific goal, but I think more later in my career, I also define success as paying it forward to others. That's something that probably in the last kind of eight or 10 years of my life, my career, I've been a lot more focused on the things that I've learned, the life lessons, you know, how can I pay that forward? I mean, there is nothing better than a great mentor and someone who's able to pull you outside after a meeting and give you tough feedback or give you great feedback or pump you up. And so more and more success to me is, you know, not only achieving it on my own, but being able to pay it forward to others. That's great. Now, before we wrap up, how can our listeners find you? What is your shameless plug? I'm on LinkedIn. I mean, I I love to connect with with like-minded people. So on LinkedIn, I'm just the linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash Aaron H. Wilkins and uh, would love to connect. I think it's great to connect and network with other people who are navigating similar things in life. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Aaron. This has just been an incredible incredible time with you. And I hope I can stay in touch and uh, pick your brain in the future. And so just thank you so much for the time and the energy and pouring into us as we listen along. And just thank you for your time. Thank you. Love what you're doing. Keep it up. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ladies Who Lead podcast. Looking for another way to engage with the Ladies Who Lead podcast? Check out our Instagrams and our show notes at The Ladies Who Lead. And don't forget to check out our website, www.theladieswholead.com. Until next time, I'm SK Vaughn.